I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Aria Talking to Me, a Game of Thrones podcast hosted by yours truly, Benjamin John Vernell. I am a comedian from Melbourne and I am uh, joined on this show every week with my co-host. He's also a comedian from Melbourne. It's Adam Knox. How are you, Adam? I'm all right. I'm fucking sick today. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got festival flu. Yeah, I'm over in Edinburgh. You touch the same microphones as a million other grotty people and then <laughs> yep. you end up fucking leaking out of your face and sounding probably pretty awful if I'm right well, up close uh, in your headphones. <laughs> At least you've only got like a few days of the festival left. No, no, no. That's a common misconception, <laughs> but I've got another uh, rest of the month. That's uh, all right. I'll be fine in a couple of days. Yeah, you'll just clean out the system with some uh, some hot toddies, as the Scots would prescribe. People keep telling me to have hot toddies. <laughs> like, if you guys still think the whiskey is what cures you... <laughs> I don't understand why you've bothered to open so many Bootses. Well, look. Boots is the name of the, the chemist here, by the way, and it doesn't sell oh, shoes, okay. but it's called Boots. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just open my boot and drink a hot toddy out of it, and I feel great. <laughs> it's sometimes really inconvenient how much whiskey you keep in your boot. <laughs> I'm squelching around, but when I get a cold... Boy, if I don't feel better with a little nip of old shoe whiskey. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully you feel better soon because, yeah, like you said, you do have you do have a few weeks left in Edinburgh. Um, how is the festival going? Are you doing are you doing a shit ton of gigs? It sounds like. Yeah, uh, I've, it's been great fun. Seen a couple of people who listened to this as well, which has been very nice. So thank you for coming up and saying hi. If you did, uh, hold that's on. awesome. Yeah, I just I'm trying to get through the rest of this sentence without sneezing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you did it. You can you can stop to sneeze now if you want. It's been really cool watching episodes of Game of Thrones as well in a city that has a castle. Yeah, fuck, that would help. That would help a lot. It it really like you can look around this city and see where the medieval people would have shat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> where the dragons the would have lived. No, you you could see that there were no dragons back in the day. Just a bunch of people oh, who didn't okay. understand hygiene. Man, you sound you sound like one of those characters from Game of Thrones. They're like, no, no, there's no magic anymore. It's all fairy tales, <laughs> but brother. There's going to be a man shitting himself on the street, and you will be eating your words. Oh, I'll be eating something else if I see him. <laughs> <'em. laughs> it's called wildfire, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm so sorry for anyone if anyone like is struggling to listen to this one because I sound like shit. I am so sorry. Apologies from the show to you. Um well let's get into the the Game of Thrones um talk, which is what we're here for. It's what we're here to do. 
We've got to power through this uh, these next few seasons before season eight starts, which, uh, you know, it's on the horizon. Yeah, we still so, don't have a firm date for it yet, do we? No, no, we don't. I think it's actually, like, I think it might be later than we thought. I think they put a season to it that might be later. It's like fall or whatever. I don't right, know. okay. Um, or Yeah, or winter or something. Um, but anyway, yeah, tonight, today, <laughs> whenever you're listening to this, we're talking about uh, the episode Second Sons. I believe it's called Second Sons. It is the eighth episode yep. of season three. I thought it was, in general, a pretty good one, too. I thought the writing yeah. was back up to where it should be, and it was well-paced. Yeah, I thought it was very well-paced. And yeah, you're right. Like there were, I mean, there are still storylines that I don't overly uh, give a fuck about, but um, even those storylines seem to have some interesting scenes and some interesting progression. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of interesting progression, we open with Arya... And she progresses over to a rock, which she picks up to... <laughs> Interestingly, she picks it up. <laughs> yes. She's going to smash the hound's uh, head in. Because he obviously uh, grabbed her out of the forest last week. And um, clearly she's uh, his captor. And she's about to, to smash his head in before he kind of does the old... The classic, you know, open the eyes, glance over and... Uh, are you sure you want to do that? Sort of, yeah. uh, sort of situation. If you're gonna try, you'd better not miss or something like that. Yes, it, yeah. I, it, it's weird because he tells her afterwards, like she obviously doesn't because she knows she'll lose, and they ride off. Mm. And then mm. he bothers to say, "By the way, I'm taking you home to your mum." Like, yes, motherfucker. I, you'd say that pretty quickly if you don't wanted to try and throw a rock at you, right? Absolutely. And even if, like, if she had smashed his head in she would have been fucked like it, it's better for her that he is taking her there so yeah this is something they yeah. both want like he's gonna ask for payment but whatever they're, they're rich i mean they're waging a war so maybe they can't afford that much but at the same time yeah yeah and he wants to kind of switch sides it seems like or at least he, he very clearly says to her you know fuck joffrey fuck the lannisters he's yeah. done with them totally he's, he he's might at end at up very fighting least for Rob. neutral yeah absolutely totally so yeah uh, but it's it's one of those classic, v- very TV ish tropes where he 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 waits to the to the last convenient second to to stop her. Um, yeah. But stop her, he does, and yeah, he reveals to her, "Hey, I'm gonna sell you back to your family." And you I know sa- where they are. You say that it's a TV trope, but I reckon if someone was gonna try and murder me in my sleep, I would wait until the last second and then open <laughs> my eyes and probably just go like. If you're going to plunge that knife, you better plunge deep. You only get one you chance. Come, <laughs> you come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> um, you're right. You would wait till the last, the the, the most cool moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I read this thing once. Uh, this isn't mine, but I always thought it was like, I, I think about it every time I come home now, where the person was like, I every time I, I come home, I when I open the door before turning the lights on, I say... How did you find me? Just in case there's somebody in there. And genuinely, I think That's about that almost cool. every time I come home. <laughs> it's very it's very born identity. It's very Mission Impossible. I like it. I know. I've never done anything in my life that would warrant someone trying to find me. <laughs> Man, you bombed. You bombed that set, and I want my <laughs> money back. <laughs> I never bombed. You've never bombed in your life, no. No, nah, I wait until the last minute just before they're going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so we are the next location in this episode, of which there's only a few. Mm. Um, I think we only spend. Oh, there's there's actually we do King's Landing, of course. Um, with Tyrion and Sansa, but the next location is Yunkai, where Daenerys is rolled up with her eight thousand uh, unsullied, and she. There's sort of this situation where I think they're trying to. They want to take over Yunkai or they want to free the slaves. Yeah. But Yunkai has an army and they also have some mercenaries called the Second Sons. Yeah. They've hired so, these three bastards. They're just yes. dicks. They're uh, absolute cunts. The main bastard, especially. What a fuckwit. I think he's, he's called Titan's Bastard, something like yeah. that. Which it's weird yes. that that like what is he Roman god Titan is also in Game of Thrones but whatever yeah I don't know yeah I like I I that was the first thing I thought as well like oh is it a giant man was it a giant called Titan <sighs> yeah it could who be birthed to this this awful dude I don't know yeah but it's him it's this older guy and then this younger sort of long haired pretty boy yeah Dario Naharis Dario Naharis which and, I- um. It's a fine he sort name. Of, it's a fine name, and it's a fine head of hair, and he's sort of hanging back because what happens is the three, the three captains or the two captains and the one lieutenant of the Second Sons go to Daenerys, and they're they're there for an audience. They talk to her, and she's sort of like, "Hey, why don't you join the winning team?" And they're like, mm, "We're going to win because we're really, really good." And there's a bit of a, a bit of a standoff. The Titans bastard is a real cunt to Daenerys. He he is a piece of shit. He says, "Show me your cunt, and maybe I'll fucking." Mm. It, mm. It's it's one of two cunts that we get in this episode. <laughs> yes, that is very true. He clearly doesn't respect her because she's a woman. He is so like the things he is saying is very very sexist. I reckon that is an expert analysis of this scene. <laughs> But I mean, he's not just like disrespecting her as an opponent. He clearly doesn't respect her because she's the, a woman who's in charge. Yeah, there's an element of it as well, I think, that is him deliberately playing that card because it's clearly going to be the thing that she's been looked down upon the most as yeah. in her position. So I think he's like pushing a button he's pretty sure is there. But I think yeah, he's yeah, also just fair. innately that way. Yeah, totally. Um, so there. They're basically, yeah, Daenerys is trying to make a deal with them. She's like, join my team and you won't just be mercenaries anymore. You will be on the winning team. I'm taking the throne. I'm taking Westeros. Come to my side. Otherwise, you know, like I've got 8,000 Unsullied. I think she says 10,000 and they they see through that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's um, right. They're like, I hope that guy fights better than he lies because you've only got 8,000, which is still heaps. Why would you even add just more on? (laughs) Totally, when because the, they only have two thousand themselves, so eight thousand is still you know it's a four to one ratio, baby. That's that's a winning. Uh, those are winning odds. Yeah, I I don't understand why he's done that, but also so they're I, by the end of this they're like fairly non-committal as to whether they'll help. They're like, oh maybe, yes, yes. Um, there may be, and I think even just then, as a first-time viewer, you're like, mm, that's a no. They seem like douchebags who don't respect her. That that that's a no. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, let I think we're, we'll just stick with this storyline for now. They those dudes go back to their camp, and they're um, you know talking the whole thing over, and they're very much like we're not joining her team. We've made a deal with this city. We're fighting for them, and 
there's there's some sort of weird justification where it's like, oh no, it's it's not weird at all. The Titans bastard guys like we don't have to fight eight thousand men. We can just fight her. Let's go sneak in and kill her. Yeah, they're like, oh, the Unsullied won't be able to do anything if she's not around. They 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 don't know how to fight a war by themselves. So we just mm. sneak in. Whoever's got this weird square coin goes in and kills yes. her. Yes. And so, the, magically, the square-looking coin falls to the one guy who With seemed square-looking jaw. <laughs> who actually seemed to like Daenerys. Yeah. So what's going to happen here? <laughs> oh. Should we just see this one through to the end? Because he does later come along when she's having a bath. And, yeah, yeah, uh, why not? I mean, it's a pretty self-contained storyline. So, yeah, she's having a bath. She's talking to one of her mates. I guess she's talking to uh, her um, translator. Miss Sandy. Yes, Miss Sandy. And Miss Sandy gives um, it. They've got like a fun little, a fun little friendship brewing because Miss Sandy's like, ah, you speak Dothraki pretty well. And she's like, what do you mean pretty well? They oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's like, Carl Drogo said I spoke it perfectly. And she's like, oh, um, oh, tugs at her collar and like, <laughs> I guess, uh, you speak Valerian very nicely. That one's good. He wasn't just being nice to you. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, which is nice. It actually reveals a nice aspect of Drogo that he was clearly being, you know, he was he he was being very forgiving to Daenerys about her yeah. Dothraki. It shows that Daenerys is just like a very different type of ruler as well. Like, imagine if someone had said that to any of the other people who would claim mm. the throne, mm. how they would have reacted. That's like, true. Maybe Even Rob, Rob, who's yeah, yeah, Rob's like a good guy, but he's still going to be like. Um, what did you say? Yeah, he's gotten a little more hard ass with that sort of stuff, for sure. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, okay, well, if you know it so well, then why don't you go out and write a hundred lines of translation, you little dick? <laughs> yeah, he totally would. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's a fucking really annoying substitute teacher who's got to prove himself. <laughs> totally, exactly, exactly right. And if you're good, later he'll put on the Blues Brothers on VHS and we'll all have fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yes, so you're right, they have that little nice little back and forth. Miss Sandy is uh I guess establishing herself as a as a as an interesting character in terms of I don't know, she seems very smart, very on top of things, not afraid to, to speak the truth. Yeah. Um and then speaking of establishing yourself as an interesting character, Dario Naharis <laughs> comes in and fails to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he just? I um I never was able to connect with this actor as 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 this character. He l- lacks a little bit of personality as as much as he does have a square jaw. It, there's not a lot behind the eyes it feels like. Totally. It looks like they've had to end every shot before he turns to the camera. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, he's he looks got- a bit like a commercial actor or a, or a soap actor or something. Totally. Like he's got something about him where there's yeah, you can't by him as a person. It's a problem that apparently really good-looking actors sometimes have. You have to have yeah, sort right. of either good-looking and sort of a weird face or regular-looking more than... I mean, you have to be really good-looking. But if you're good-looking in this way, people don't mm. buy you as a human being often. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which is I, a shame. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like you could pick apart every single line delivery that he, he has and none of it's bad. I wouldn't say he's he's a poor actor. I just completely fail to connect with him. Yeah, I did, like honestly it might just be because we're sort of uh prejudiced towards him because he's too good looking. 
<laughs> that's that's also possible. Which, like, if you're going to uh, have and, a problem, yeah. it's not the worst one to have, but still, it must be frustrating. Sure, yes. I mean, if you want to be an actor and all you get are modelling jobs, that would be annoying. But a uh, problem I would love to have. Yeah, exactly. All I keep getting is this great stuff when I wanted <laughs> slightly different great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, he, he bursts in and he says... Some lines, um, but <laughs> <laughs> basically what he's done is he said, I was sent to kill you. I couldn't do it. I had a disagreement with the captains. I want to fight for beauty, and boy, you are a beauty. Um, and you want to know how I can prove that to you? And he tips out their two severed heads onto the ground. Yeah, it's the, the clumsiest way of building in some sexual tension between these two characters, which is what it seems like they're mm. trying to do by just going like, how do we make it seem like they might fuck? Oh, what if uh, Daenerys is naked? Oh, fuck yes. yes. Dude, that would Sh- be totally. so fucking killer. High five, bro. To- <laughs> What if Daenerys is naked, and what if the very handsome man says he wants to fuck her? Does that count as sexual tension? Is that good writing? Yeah, I guess. This, I guess this particular aspect of this episode was the one bit where it was just like head bludgeoning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I guess the fact that two people get uh, decapitated it makes it sort of by um, default an interesting plot progression, but. Yeah, I, I, I think it's the actor and, and maybe some of the hammy writing in this plotline that made it feel a little bit less interesting than the rest. Sure, I, and yeah, just because the uh, Daenerys storyline is so detached from the rest of it, it just that does make it feel like it is a separate thing, almost. Like the rest of the Completely, show is getting yeah. interrupted every time you go over there. Absolutely, which, like, I, I agree and I feel that way and I felt that way while I watched it for the first time. Um, but I, I do think it's fair to point out, like, she is an interesting character who has a very interesting arc and the f- the the only issue is that the steps forward in that arc are pretty few and far between. Like, they're, they're significant when they happen, but this wasn't necessarily one of them. So No, and they try to build it yeah. up as more, but it's like, here's this mercenary company we didn't know about until today, and now they're working with her today. Okay, I guess we didn't know that that wouldn't happen. Sure, yeah. It's it's like a, a very small roadblock that gets put in front of her and then immediately gets kicked out of the way. So Exactly. It's, it's yeah. Um, so, let us move to Dragonstone with Stannis. Uh, and Stannis' story uh, is pretty interesting in this episode, I thought. Totally. I'm loving Stannis as well in this episode, and the actor, and Davos as well. Yep. This this little group here is my favourite part of this episode, I think. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I like the Tyrion Sansa stuff as well, but um, yeah. this definitely is the cornerstone of this episode. And yeah, yeah, you mentioned the actor who's playing Stannis, and I, I always remember that story I think we've talked about where he, as an actor, had no idea what the fuck was going on the whole time. Yeah. He's just and, been and, told to read yeah. the words, and he's like, what the fuck is a dragon? <laughs> <laughs> but man, he nails it. He's so... Like, he's the opposite of the Dario Naharis guy. Like, he just fills the screen with presence. He is... He is so good, great to watch. He's he's really charismatic and interesting totally. and layered and and yeah, I, just the characters writing as well. Like really, a, Holly, uh, like a yeah. Hollywood Santa Claus, he fills that screen with presence. That's right. That is correct. Um, uh, you know who else fills the screen? 
Gendry, <laughs> but it's a close-up. So Gendry's involved now. He's been brought to Stannis by Melisandre because he has king's blood, as she refers to it. Um, and so that's, uh, yeah, that that's basically... Oh, well, I guess before that, we, we check in with Davos as well. Yeah, so Stannis... Uh, oh, he, like... I think um, Melisandre quickly brings him the kid and he's like yeah whatever he's a kid i don't know if i want him around like he's one of robert's bastards fuck this kid Mm. yeah um but then he's like by the way i'm gonna release davos because i miss him (laughs) basically (laughs) yeah because he's a good dude he goes down to uh to davos and kind of reveals something that i don't think i realized or i think is pretty significant when he's talking Mm -hmm. to davos down there he's like oh i'm gonna release you as long as you promise not to fuck around with the the red woman again. And Davos is like, yep, better than prison, absolutely. But uh, Stannis starts saying that he never asked for this and that Melisandre, like, predicted this. Uh, she calls it the duck that will eat the dawn later on or something. Oh, and I think that's yeah. a, a new piece of information that Stannis thinks he has to do this to prevent the end of the world rather than actually yeah. just wanting the throne for himself. Yes, I think so. I think you're right. I... I think that maybe it's been implied, like you could certainly, from the very first scene that we see Stannis in with that big ritual on the beach and the burning and all that stuff, there's a sense that he is being motivated by this. Like he he seems like a really reasonable or at least very um, rational sort of gritty dude who's had this stuff thrust upon him, but um, it's all been implied, I feel like. And yeah, you're right, like this is the scene where he says like, this crazy witch woman has told me the world's going to end unless I get the throne. So I got to get the throne, dude. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. He's definitely been shown to have had like religious conviction to believe that he is owed the throne or like is mm-hmm. the one true inheritor of the throne. But his reasons being not completely, as far as he says here, not completely uh, selfish. I thought that was interesting to learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which it it almost makes the relationship with Davos more complicated because Davos follows Stannis because Stannis has been good to him and because Stannis technically has the right to the throne. He is the eldest Baratheon. Like that's his right. But Davos is, has really struggled with this Melisandre stuff because it just seems like she's manipulating Stannis and for Stannis to be like, "No. Like I actually saw a vision in the flames. I've been told this prophecy." And I'm doing it for what I think is altruistic reasons. I want to save the world. That makes it really tough for Davos because Davos really is sus on Melisandre. Yeah, totally. But and and Stannis is like fuck Melisandre. Basically, it's like it doesn't really matter whether or not she's here. I mm. think that this god is real because I have seen it do some shit, and so and so have you. So yeah, let's, um, yes, yeah. Let's make sure we do what this real thing wants us to do. Totally. And Davos is like, all right, I won't punch her, but you've got to let me speak my mind. Yeah. And he, yeah, he says, like, I think you came down here because you knew that I would counsel uh, restraint with the boy. Like, mm. you don't want to actually mm. execute this kid, which is what a sacrifice is, which you're not doing totally. to yourself. Totally. So, yeah, let totally, me out yeah. and I will tell you a, a rational, reasonable minded thing as well. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, Stannis basically, you know, cops to that. He's like, yep, yep, okay, sure. Yes, that is that is why I came down here. You are my, you are the angel on my shoulder. Yeah. He's like, instead of just murdering Gendry, how about 
Melisandre fucks him and puts leeches on him. Middle ground? (laughs) (laughs) Which it's sort of, I don't know what you think, but I feel like it's sort of implied that she was always going to do that. I don't know that that, this is a compromise. I I, I assume that she was just like (laughs) trying to argue to get away with the worst thing. But in the end, is just doing this because that's what she was always going to do. I don't well, know. I th- yeah, <clears throat> I think she mentions that this was a demonstration that Davos wanted, right? So like, right. this isn't this isn't the ritual yet. This is just her showing Davos like, hey, look what's gonna happen if we use all his blood. Was my impression? Yeah, no, you're right. She, you're right. She does say that at the end. Um, she does say that at the end. Yeah, you're right. I, I still, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means, though. I still feel like by the end of this episode, no one's, like, cutting Gendry's throat over a bowl to light his blood on fire. I I don't know. That's just my reading of it. Sure. I, I, like, I guess it'll depend on what Davos and Stannis sort of think after whatever the results of throwing these leeches in the fire is. Because, yeah, she, like, Mm. talks to Mm. him... uh, Levels with him on, like, uh, hey, we both grew up poor. How crazy are all these bedsheets? And then... (laughs) I guess sex and blood are the things that have power in the magic that this thing uses because both times it's been she's had to fuck Stannis to get the shadow Mm -hmm. boy and then Mm -hmm. for whatever reason she's like you guys wait out there for like 40 seconds (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then then burst in Just make Ow. some conversation outside. Don't put your ears to the door. Yeah. It's, I'm just like, I'm just getting things ready, okay? It's oh, not, dude. Dude. Uh, shh, 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 shh. What if, what if I put one of the leeches on his dick? Oh, fuck, <laughs> bro. That'd be so good. I, I thought that bit was pretty funny. He's like, not there. Not yeah. there. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, she basically roots him and then puts leeches on him. Yep. Fun and little. Then, Leech root, and then chucks them in the fire. We don't really see what what happens to them, but uh, Stannis names them each for the mm. uh, usurpers of the throne, which is Rob, uh, Joffrey, and uh, Balon Greyjoy. Yes, yes. And those leeches, they're f- they're filled with king's blood, and they're bubbling away in the fire. And I guess we that's some kind of ritual. Sorry. And that is, <laughs> I said, then that is some kind of ritual. Oh, right. That is some kind of ritual. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I, that's the, that's the, 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 the totality of that, that, that plot line this week, right? It ends with that. Uh, yeah. With, with the, uh, stuff with Stannis and all of them. Yeah. 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 Just some leeches bubbling away. Cause in the meanwhile. So- there's, yeah, let uh, us let us smash cut two, mate. There's a big old wedding. Um, Tyrion has been promised to Sansa Stark the union that will give the Lannisters the North. Um, and yeah, he goes and uh, has a visit with Sansa. Uh, right. Does he? Do you remember this? He got. No. Yeah, he goes in. He goes in, Shay's there, Podrick's there, and he's like, you two get the fuck out of here. I need to have a very uncomfortable conversation with this 14-year-old girl. Uh, that's right. And he's like, you hey, you don't have to talk to me like you're a prisoner. And he's like, yes. actually, I guess you talk to me like you're a different type of prisoner. 
Yeah, which, man, that is not comforting. Even though, like, I mean, I, I think we probably um, uh, project a lot of his existing character onto him in this scene, obviously, as as we should. But we're like, oh, yeah, he's being nice, but some of the... Th- like, what he says does not necessarily come out as being nice or comforting. No, especially when Sansa is coming from a point of already hating him, perhaps a little unfairly, but he's a Lannister is probably the biggest thing for her. T- totally, yeah. He, he's a Lannister, and she's also being forced to marry another person she doesn't want to marry. Yeah. So, they're, they're like, it's not great between them. No, it's not. It's, uh... It's it's cautious at best. Um, and then there's a good, like, this next little part, I think, was maybe mm. my favourite bit of the whole episode overall. Yep. yep. The, the bit with yep. Cersei and Mar- Marjorie taking a little stroll <laughs> to, uh, Boy. I guess, where the wedding's going to happen in the Sept of Baelor. Yeah. Man, yeah, y- yeah. I don't know if this is my favourite. I really did like uh, the stuff with Gendry and Stannis and stuff, but... Um, man, this is a great little scene. Yeah, just a little... So, they're talking about... Cersei's telling Marjorie some story of the reigns of Castamere. Apparently, the mm. reigns were a family. And yes. uh, the, the Lannisters slaughtered them, were her words. And they're mm. playing the little reigns of Castamere song that we've heard before, like the, the Lannister people were singing. That's, like, playing underneath it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's basically... She, she, do- she says, like, yeah, the... The they rebelled against the Lannisters. Like this is not a long time ago. This is this is within her lifetime because Tywin was the one who basically put down the rebellion. And um, yeah, she says like their lands, you know, they're gone. The they were all put to the sword. The women, the children, all of them. Yeah, and the, and their like WWE theme song is playing underneath this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then she ends it up by going like, by the way, Marjorie, if you ever call me your sister again, I'll strangle you in your sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which, cool. All right. All subtext thrown aside. Totally. That but is, that's great. Uh, I think she's yeah. realized that Marjorie's too good at all that shit. And she's just going to be mm. like, okay, well, I'll be ferocious then. Totally. Totally. Which makes it a head-to-head, you know, thing. Like, it it also allows Marjorie to, I guess, you know, go hell for leather herself, whatever that form takes i mean i guess she already has been to to some extent like she is about to marry Mm. the king and all that stuff like she's winning so far so i think that's That's why cersei is like all right fuck this i'll cut you (laughs) that's that's true that's true and because we also know like marjorie has tried to position sansa to marry loris and like moves have been made and cersei is is in the position now of like well you know tywin's the one who made them but contradictory moves have been made Marjorie's lost this battle, it looks like, and Cersei's like, also, uh, you come at me, I'll fucking claw your eyes out. So back off, bitch. Yeah, it's great. I, I love that yeah. whole scene, and I want to see Cersei and Marjorie at each other because uh, they both know how to play this this Game of Thrones. Hmm. Game of Thrones. Did you come up with that term? No, no, no. I read it on a toilet wall. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sansa, yeah, they're they're getting married, her and Tyrion, and fucking Joffrey's they, bouncing around like a little imp. Oh, he's fuck. He's the worst. He's he takes little Tyrion's grub. little stool away. He takes uh, his little step stool away. Yeah, such a fuckhead. <laughs> what a fuckhead. 
Um, and there's an awkward little scene of, of the marriage where Tyrion's like having to lean up and put the cloak over Sansa's uh, shoulders and um, yeah, it's all a little bit weird that no one wants to be there. No one's having fun except Joffrey, who's, you know, a little dickhead. Yeah. And the, yeah, everyone's hating it. Uh, I think this is the bit where, no, I guess Cersei's still down there at this point. <laughs> But yeah, it's a short, short wedding. Sorry, uh, sorry, but like it's wow. not a long wedding <laughs> scene before um, we go over to the uh, what do you call them reception? Yeah, the reception. And Tyrion is fucking hammered. Yes, yes. Which I, I, uh, I, I think I got this the, from the very first time. Like he, he doesn't want to have to to root Sansa, right? Like no. Nah. He's he's just trying to get so drunk that he's just blasted. He's he's out of it, and he can't do what the whole marriage, you know, is for, which is and put a put a baby in. I, like, also, I think he's just having a bad fucking day, and he's like, "All right, I'm getting really drunk." And totally, uh, totally, a good a good sort of few drunk freight faces from uh, from <laughs> what's Tyrion's actor's name? Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I, d- I do think this was good. I've seen some pretty awful drunk acting in my time, and I actually... D- it didn't d- bring me out of the show at all, on reflection. He was just... Uh, he was good. He can drunk act. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's some... Tywin gets mad at him. He's like, fucking, that dick better work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally all you're good for is fucking a baby into this Stark girl, so just do it, cunt. <laughs> yeah. Tyrion calls himself the god of tits and wine, which I believe mm-hmm, is uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that, you know, got fucking put an impact font and on a bunch of <laughs> photos of Peter Dinklage. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there's a bunch of T-shirts from third-party websites with uh, with that in uh, Game of Thrones font. Yeah. Uh and yeah, then Loras upstairs tries to talk to Cersei and she's immediately like, fuck <laughs> yeah. the fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> yes. Get the fuck away from me, you absolute moron. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. the, the whole scene, other than for Joffrey, who, like, takes the time to go over to Sansa and be an absolute fuck to her. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck, that's the right. grossest line going like, oh, that's all right. Well, fucking Samarin and the other guy will hold you down if you're not interested. Just fuck you, Joffrey. Absolutely the worst. Could not be... Like, just the worst. The worst dude. The worst character. So well played and so well written. Yeah. Because you just... You don't come out of it at all. You don't overthink it. You're just like, God, Joffrey is an absolute cunt. Totally. You you totally believe that this dude is as shitty as this, which is it, it's definitely, mm. like, not a given from the writing, the acting. Yeah, like you say, it's great. Totally, totally. I think we've we've talked about uh, other villains in the show, and I think that other villains in the show are a little bit less believable to me. Um, so I extra appreciate Joffrey. And um, what? Sorry, what is the actor's name? You've said it before. I'm Jack sure. Jack Gleason. Jack Gleason. Jack Gleason. I, I yeah, I, I love his performance. I think he's great. Yeah, and he continues it on here to be like try and get the whole wedding party involved in the bedding oh, yes. ceremony. Which is must yep. be like some yep. old. I think they maybe used to do this in the real world as well, mm. where it's like mm. everyone watch the husband fuck the wife. <laughs> yeah, or at least like everyone like carry them to the bedroom or something like that. Right. Yes, that's right. And yeah. 
they're like, hey, everyone enjoys this. And Tyrion's like, no, nah, absolutely, that's not going to happen. Slams a knife in the table. He's like, Joffrey, if you do this, you're going to be fucking your own wife on your wedding day with a wooden cock. Yes. Yes. And everyone goes quiet and it like zooms out. <laughs> it's like a totally. giant shot of the yeah. whole room. Everyone like going, <gasps> big cartoon gasp. <laughs> totally. And then, yeah, Tywin's like, uh, I mean, like, uh, Tyrion didn't, surely he was not like threatening to, to hurt the king. That's the worst thing you can do. And Tyrion plays it off and he makes a bad joke and he, he gets away with it, which is yeah. uh, actually also well well written. I, I didn't feel that was clunky at all. I thought no. that was actually surprisingly well done. He plays up his stumbling out of the wedding and everything as well. Mm, mm, mm. And then, yeah, him and Sansa go up to their bedroom and Tyrion is just not into it, obviously. And fucking Sansa says she's 14 and Tyrion's like, well, I'm going to sleep on this futon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says he says something very nice. He says, I won't share your bed until you want me to, which, you know, in the situation that they're in, which is they've just got fucking married. Yeah. And, and you know, like uh, marriages in this world are, if anything, more uh, more concrete, more permanent. Sure. It's and a, he's a political said, alliance. So. He said to her that, like, hey, this is from the person who we both understand is the most powerful person in the world, Tywin Lannister. He wants us to do yeah. this. So if we don't, yes. like, we are directly disobeying the scariest dude, but <laughs> f- fucking who cares? There's right and wrong, he seems to say. Yes. And he's like, uh, yeah, he, like you said, I, we're not going to share about it until you want me to. And she's like, what if that's never? And he goes, then my watch has begun. Yeah, which is nice, which is a really nice moment. And and we talked about last week how that episode was a little bit flat, it was a little bit boring, a lot of interesting stuff happened, and it wasn't written very interestingly. I thought that was a great line. Like, it's it's a little bit pat, you know, it's a little bit like, oh, that's written, but I thought it was written well. I really liked it. Totally. The, it, it's, these ones seem more like uh, um, Tyrion the being, not smarmy, but you know what I mean. Rather than it being, being overwritten. Witty. He being witty. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Tyrion himself being witty. Yeah, you're right. Yep, totally. Uh, yeah, but and um, they fall asleep yeah. in separate areas of the room. Shay comes in in the morning and makes this fucking thing about herself. It's <laughs> <laughs> She totally does. She gathers all the sheets as if they're going to be, like, soaking in pussy juice or something. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, <laughs> of course, they are not. <laughs> I think it might be blood that she was looking for, Ben. Sure, sure. I mean, however you do it, bro. However oh, you God. do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, but yes. I, Shay's whole fucking attitude during this this ordeal has been just dog shit. A little bit selfish, yeah. A little bit selfish. Oh, completely selfish. Like, no, none of them want this to happen, Shay. Mm. And like, mm. you know, if you love him, be understanding. Yeah. It's 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 pretty strange of her to assume that Tyrion, a guy that she knows very well, like they're in love, to assume that Tyrion is like sweet. I get to like marry a fourteen-year-old girl. Like that's not what that's not his position. That's not yeah. what he's what he's thinking. Totally, I don't feel like he's been all hubba hubba about this at any point. Mm. But whatever. So uh, yeah, then all the stuff in the bath happens, and uh, we go up to the last little part of the show here with fucking Sam and Gilly. 
Yes, uh, which a little... I'm going to say, I'm going to say, is the first scene with Sam that I thought was good. By the end of that scene, I was like, that was a pretty good scene. Totally. This this is a, a corner turn in Sam's arc where yes. we've had to see him like step up and this kid has obviously and Gilly as well has has made him into a slightly different person here. His attachment yeah, to slightly, them. A, a slightly different person. Um the whole first half of this scene is it's kind of tense. I don't know if you found this because there's like the shot is framed where it's like Gilly on the left, Sam on the right and the door is very clearly framed in the center of the frame and I I kept thinking someone's going to bash down the door or something. I don't know if that's just Right. Me. No, I didn't think about that at all. I, 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 yeah, I was like, oh, it's, okay, I'm tense. Something's going to happen. But it's definitely what, like, what is it's, actually? It's dark and actually, they're in the woods and shit as well. So like, it's the and it's t- the, totally yeah. They're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. It's nighttime. It's it's cold. But what what happens is not an, an instantaneous moment of you know a, a jump scare. It is a slow build up of the the, the ravens uh, in the background. I liked the little bit of them trying to figure out a name for the kid too. Just before that. And then, yeah, 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 these these fucking Alfred Hitchcock ravens show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which was cool. I'd forgotten, uh, you know, obviously we've seen this before. I'd forgotten this entire scene. And um, I thought it was done really well. It was actually, like, not if not not super scary, but it was it was sort of directed as if it was a, a scene from a horror film. And, yeah, you're right, the, the, the ravens sort of build up like the birds and then... Gilly knows what's happening. Basically, she sees a figure out in the in the forest, and she says, "He's come for the baby." Yeah, and that fucking thing starts making a beeline for the baby. Sam tries to swing a sword at it, and the guy grabs a sword, and immediately it shatters. Yeah, this, uh, yeah. this thing's magic. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on its way over to eat the baby or whatever it's doing. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sam lunges at it with that dragon glass from uh, yep. that he had from that little cache they found in the mountains. And the yeah, guy dug blows it up. Yes. up. He gets on his hands and knees and he blows the fuck up, doesn't he? It's a it's a big old death for old <laughs> beardy blue boy. Old beardy white walker. He just turns into ice and shatters on the ground. Uh, I shat on the ground. <laughs> Here in beautiful medieval <laughs> Scotland. Uh, that's great. I mean, it's an, an ode to Game of Thrones, clearly. <laughs> and yeah, that's the that's the smash cut to credits end of episode. Yeah, and that's that's a pretty big deal. We um we've seen the White Walkers, we've seen the Whites, we've seen fucking zombies walking around, and we have not known um, if there's any way to kill them. The, uh, boy, the howdy, fire. Sam, the the worst <laughs> character in the show, has got away with killing one. Yeah, the they they can be killed with fire as well. I think because that's how uh, John killed that first one. Oh yes, you're right. Yep, yep, completely. And they talk about burning the bodies um, so they don't turn into them. So yeah, you're right. There's an implication. Fire is very uh, key to that to yeah. that relationship. But yeah, good episode again. I thought. Totally, absolutely. Um, I I thought the the King's Landing stuff with yeah, you're right, Marjorie and Cersei, fucking great scene. But also the stuff with Tyrion and Sansa was very well done. It was very sort of it was done with a very soft touch. I thought it could have been um a lot worse than it was. Yeah, it was done quite well. And it's good to have those scenes where like 
if good people interact in this world, good things still happen. Yeah, yeah, yes, totally. And then, yeah, fuck all the stuff with uh, Gendry and Stannis and Davos and Melisandre. That's, they're all very interesting relationships. The way that they all intersect and, and conflict with each other is, man, it's good stuff. It's good plot. Yeah, it's definitely been this thing of like some things have kind of resolved that have been mm. on the burner, and these are some new wheels cranking into motion here. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, yeah, good episode. Definitely better than last week. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I was worried. I was worried we were going to have a couple of kind of a, a bit of a slog to get through, but no, we're back. We're back in business, baby. Yeah, yeah. This was definitely a good one and uh, mm. hopefully a good time for all of you people who are watching along for the first time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, um, we got a question from a listener. Should we do this question now? Yeah. All right. Um, it, uh, I'm going to skip over some of the question because I'm concerned some of it might be, uh, spoilers. I'm just going to get to the crux of it. Uh, Joseph emailed in, uh, Joey, thank you for the email, Joey. And his question as, as I, uh, as I see it is, do you think the size of the story Game of Thrones tries to tell helps or hinders first time viewers? Uh, it's a real interesting question because it's like, it's obviously part of the appeal but it's also yeah like a massive um roadblock for especially anybody who heard about it and started trying to watch midway through season three or whatever yes i think that's a that's a really good call because i i was someone who was watching it from the start without having read the books but had uh spoken to a friend who had read the books and sort of prepared me for it was sort of like hey it's basically a historical epic but it's made up so Get ready for a lot of names you're gonna forget, and uh, a lot of families and a lot of a lot of regions and cities and stuff. But he was very much like, "It's good, so stick with it." So that was the attitude I went into it with. Yeah, I went into it having access to the full first season. Uh, right. That was uh, like at a friend's house that I was staying at at the time, right. and I was like, "Okay, I've got nothing to do during the day here because it was during 2012 Comedy Festival." And I was right, watching right. it during the day. And so I think I only stuck with it because I had that first full season to mm. go through at the time. And I had sure. the time to go through them quite quickly. So it never really gave me a moment to go like, oh, I can't be fucked watching this. But I think if sure. I've been watching it week to week, the the sort of forgetfulness that I have even now with who people are, mm would have been a roadblock for me for sure with just the number of people that and places and concepts that you're getting introduced to constantly. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which, like, I mean, on, on first glance, you could say, like, watching uh, four episodes in one day could be very confusing because of, the you know, the amount of stuff it throws at you. But on the other hand, having a week between each episode means, yeah, you're right, you could just forget <laughs> who the fuck everyone is. Totally, especially when uh, certain characters don't even show up for, like, three-episode stretches, you know? Mm. And so when mm -hmm. they come back, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, who the fuck was this idiot again? And Yeah, sure. But then at the same time, that is also the appeal of the show. It's such a point of difference for the show, and it's um, such a cool thing once you're adjusted to it that without the the enormity and the scale of it and everything it it obviously wouldn't be the same show and probably wouldn't have the same appeal so 
It's, uh, to use a medieval term, it's a uh, double-edged dildo. And Very nice. <laughs> ass to ass. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not, it's, um, it's, a, yeah. it's an interesting question, but I don't think there's any definitive answer, right? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think the the big thing is with this is is that it's based on a series of books that already existed, and so the the first season was was made and written and 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 produced and all of that stuff with a full story in mind. Like they're not filming the series, going like fuck, we got to remind people in the context of the show what happened last week. So I think there's a yeah, there's a, a sense of like. Man, we're on HBO. We've got to trust the audience to be smart enough to stick with this. Totally. And which they is do. Good. Which is, yeah. is, yeah, they do, they do, and it's good, and I prefer that kind of show. And it, and that's the thing is, I think it just makes it either it's strongly, very strongly appeal to you or be not appealing at all to you. I think it just means that the show is mm. what it is, and you're going to like it or hate it, <laughs> depending on your personal preferences. What a non committal answer. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? But yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a unique and idiosyncratic show with a strong vision and a strong story and a strong aesthetic. So you either like it or you don't. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, uh, look, I, 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 I can't say whether or not I like him, but uh, he's, he's certainly a character, isn't he? Oh. Oh, boy, what a card. <laughs> yeah. Boy, what, yeah, big personality, that guy. Yeah. Um, um, Oh, one Good other shit. thing that uh, I don't think we mentioned is that um, Melisandre did that poison thing again. Ah, she did too, yes. Yes. That's just a little note I took, but it's not that important. But I did take a couple of notes for people who've seen the show before. <laughs> yes. In the uh, in the next section. So if you're listening for the first time, at, well, of course you're listening for the first time, but if you're watching for the first time, the show and you don't want any spoilers then leave now and we'll see you next week send an email to are you talking to me pod at gmail.com but otherwise yes. for all you people who are happy with uh, spoilers for the full series welcome <coughs> to the sealed section no grace no skill a few dozen thrusts and done you need to be patient give it time your cock shouldn't go near till she's slick as a baby seal. <laughs> oh, no. He's gone and cleared his throat halfway through the transition. I did it deliberately because I've been bloody <laughs> sick this whole time. It was a fun little joke for the ending-ish of the show. It was very, very good. Uh, here we are in the sealed section. We're here. We're uh, near <laughs> to the end of the episode. And... <laughs> Boy, I wish I had a beer. Uh, any any sealed section things to speak of? Uh, the one thing that I noted down is that Stannis mentioned that he saw a battle in the snow. Yes. Uh, yes. Great. Great one. Love to talk about this. So, we assume that this is implying the battle at the end of the uh, entire uh, TV show, right? Like, we, the, the, the White Walkers have broken through the wall. We don't think they're going to get much further. So surely there's going to be a battle in the north in the snow. That has to be what he's talking about, right? So I assumed it was when he died in that battle in the snow when he tried to take Winterfell. And uh, okay, all right. Um, uh, what's her name? Killed him. Um, Brienne. Brienne. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So right. Okay. So his prophecy, uh, every, all his destiny, everything about him, the Lord of Light, what he saw in the flames, merely led up to his death. 
Possibly. I like. I think that you're right. That the implication, definitely, that uh, the show wants to make as well is that it's this apocalyptic battle in the the snow. Mm, with mm. um, but yeah, I like the fact that he dies in the snow as well. I, I yeah, I'm just yeah. not really sure. I hadn't even. Yeah. I just thought about it only because of that battle because he dies. But now that you mentioned the White Walker stuff, like it could be that as well. It could. It, yeah. There's. There's. And and now that you mention that, I kind of think the opposite. But there's there's certainly an argument to be made for both, or or for it to be somewhere in between. Like there's no um, there's no rule or sense that any of these prophecies, any of these visions, anything that Bran's seen, anything that you know John's seen when he was dead, whatever. There's no rule that says that these are meant to be um, not misleading to the people seeing them. Totally. Well, because the biggest thing for me is that Melisandre is so stunned by Jon Snow coming back. Mm, mm. Like, that seems like a pretty key piece of information if you think that you know how this is going to play out. And the fact that that kind of sweeps the rug out from everybody uh, mm. suggests that they don't, yeah, they do not have the whole picture in front of them. Totally. It could be that all of the gods, the Lord of Light, the, the, whoever, the Knight's King, you know, like every, it could be that everyone involved in this who is a quote-unquote higher power, is just fucking with all of the people. Or doesn't know themselves what what's going yeah. on. Yep, sure. Sure, that's true. It could be advice. It could be their strategy. It could just be a play that they're making. But, um, yeah, the fact that it's sort of a magical vision implies that it's it's right in some way, and maybe it's not right at all. Totally. It could be all that it's shifting depending on what's happening and everything. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, totally. That's I, We've mentioned this on the show before, but I hope by the end of this or in some way at some point there's, and I'm sure there's probably a book that goes into it more, but knowing mm. what the fuck is the deal with all of the sort of gods and magic stuff in this would be probably cool, but at the same time, maybe them being sort of intangible is actually better. Potentially. I think that if they manage to execute the end in a way that, like, I think it would be very um, thematically justified that everyone just gets tricked by all of these visions, that the gods are just fucking with everyone, and there's some sort of nice narrative little, you know, little bow tied at the end where we go, ah, oh, everyone was just getting played. Like that, that would work. That would work. Totally. Because the gods have been this sort of unseen character for such mm. a long time, for the entirety of the show, that uh, yeah. if they sort of don't play into it in any way it will be a bit weird it would be weird it definitely would be i i agree with that and I, yeah like i said i think i don't need a backstory but i'd love a narrative justification totally yeah all the stuff with like when the lord of the rings when you get to the point where you're like well the valar and the blah 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 like it just <laughs> yeah. it makes it yeah homework at that point so it doesn't need totally. to get that in depth but um yeah yeah yep agreed um yeah i don't think there was much else uh, Spoiler-wise, a lot of the stuff sort of resolves itself. Obviously, the Tyrion Sansa stuff changes, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and we're coming up to some pretty major uh, shiftings of the pieces that are on the board here. Aren't we just? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah it's... Uh, I believe that that is in the next episode. It, it must... I think it is, right? Episode 9 is the one where the big stuff happens. Yeah. Generally, yeah. So uh, we can bloody look forward to that next week. Hell yes. Uh, that's going to be very, very interesting to talk about. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. Well, I'm happy to rejoin next week and talk about that. Uh, I think that's that's this episode done. Yeah, good episode. 
Yeah, great episode. Very interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in some questions. There's uh, a few more that we'll get to over the coming weeks. But um, keep sending them in. Keep tweeting. Keep Facebooking. Yeah, keep I listening. Just, I want to say again, I'm so sorry if my voice sounded just unbearable for this episode. I won't be sick next week, I hope. <laughs> I fucking better not be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, all good. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. Great. Thanks, everybody. See you later. (laughs) Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.